Welcome to In My Bag with Backpack Jeff, where we connect with ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I got a special guest here with me today, uh, best-selling author, just a, a, a serial entrepreneur, man, somebody who hustles almost as much as I do, but I know you guys are going to take a lot from this young brother. My next guest, Bertrand Nagampa, we call him B. What's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, I am good. I can't complain. I'm excited to be here. Excited, you're to, be excited here. to be here. Tell us why. <laughs> tell us why you're excited to be here, B. Tell tell us why. Oh man, I think because even before we started the show, we were talking about would you would you imagine us where we started? You right. know what I mean? Like coming out from Bob Evans to now being like on a podcast to <laughs> having businesses to doing the things that we're doing in this world. It's it's amazing. I'll tell you that it's just amazing to see our journey and our growth. If if it really does feel good to be able to grow with someone and to know where we came from. And speaking of where we came from, tell us a little bit about where you came from. Like, start off at Waynesburg, right? Um, <laughs> start, start off, start off at Waynesburg, okay? And, and how and how how um, that transition went? Man, you know, I'll be quick um, with that too. So I was so me, you were at Waynesburg together, went to college. I played about three years of football with you. Went to school there for three years. Didn't know what the hell I wanted to do in college at all. So I spent like the first year in like biblical ministry studies, the second year trying to go to teaching, third year in engineering, um, finance, um, back to biblical ministry studies, then into engineering, and then to another whole field again. But um, ultimately, um, because of the situation, I had to leave college. So I left. And then I think that's my, that was like, that was like the, um, the start of my journey of finding myself and who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, do you want me to go deeper on that too? Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about, um, when you started to find yourself, what what was that journey like in oh, finding yourself? Man, it was beautiful. I think the no, actually no, looking back at it, it was, was probably the most darkest time of my life. Like I said before the show, um, that point in my life, I could not get help from anybody. I had to really like I, like I said before, I had to I had to wipe my own butt. I really had to make sure that I took care of me. And in that sense that there was no one coming to save me. I had to take full responsibility for the choices that I made in my life. I had to take full responsibility for all things that I did in my life that led me up to there. Because at that point in my life, I was blaming everybody. I was blaming my mom for telling me to go to Waynesburg. I was going to go to another school called Albright. Um, beautiful school in PA too as well. Um, I was blaming my dad for just not having a relationship with me. I was blaming my brother for not coming down to Waynesburg and playing football with me. Um, even I think my little sister at one point, I was like, oh man, well, she doesn't call me enough. You know what I mean? I like, I look for anybody in my life I could just point the blame at. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they say is you're pointing a finger at somebody else. There's like three fingers or four fingers pointing back at you, how you look at it. But that's when it started to change for me. I went through a deep depression. I, the day that I said I wanted to leave this earth, I, I mean, suicidal, like to the point where I had everything mapped out, planned out. Um, I was going to tie wow. um, a, a knot around my head and then like, and then like put it, put it on me and then jump off the stairs and then like just hang there and die. And then they can just find me. So that day, I went out for a run. Um, now, I didn't notice at the time, but when you go out for a run, um, what it's called, endorphins get released into your body. Then positive endorphins, a dopamine hit. And that helped me to say, you know what, I can go one more day. And from there, I pulled myself. Literally, I had to pull every single day. I said, you know what, I'll go one more day. 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 And from there, that was when I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to kill myself. I'm going to survive. Um, from there, I made the choice for myself to join the Army. I made the choice for myself to go back to college. made the choice for myself to um, really start to help myself. You right. know, that's... Um, and then, yeah, I think this and it has led me to here now back in D.C. and doing amazing things as well. That's, that's amazing, man. And so I didn't know about the <clears throat> I didn't know about the suicidal thoughts. And I'm yeah. glad that you that that was a decision that you chose not to 
um, move forward with because uh, Matt, you and I, we, we talk so much and you're, you're like an accountability partner for me. You're definitely someone that I have in my life that I can just say, yo, I need to hear something good or I need to hear something that will motivate me. And you're one of those people that I call anytime that can just motivate me and push me into, okay, uh, all right, Jeff, it's time to get up. All right, Jeff, it's time to go work out. Like when I call you, be what you doing. Oh, I'm just getting done working out. I'm about to go work out or something like that. <laughs> so it's easy for me to, to come to B and say, Hey, look, um, what are you doing, man? You know what I mean? Tell me a good story. Tell me something good. So man, that like, I, I appreciate, I want, just wanted to say, man, I appreciate you for being an accountability partner for me, man. Um, because it has helped me grow, uh, exponentially in my life. So I, I greatly appreciate that. Um, you and I, we have a, uh, we have, we have a pretty funny story and it's one that we've told a little bit. Um, and it has something to do with some home fries. <laughs> <laughs> oh can my you, god, you're gonna have me crying on the show. Like, can, in the you beginning. Talk, can you talk to us a little bit about this about these home fries? Oh. Well, tell us tell us the home fry story, man. The people don't know. The people need to know the <laughs> okay, home fry so story. It was the summer of my going into my sophomore year at Waynesburg. It was amazing. So <laughs> again, it was not amazing. Looking back at it, it was an amazing experience. But at the time, um, I decided I was gonna stay at Waynesburg. I was gonna train that whole year with you guys in the summertime. Yeah. And I lived at the football house. And I, I, I describe people the football house how it was. It was just nasty, right? This is where we threw parties. This is mm -hmm. where we, uh, I mean, like it was never cleaned up. Was it was never clean. It was disgusting. Right? Everything like, was sticky. There was food everywhere. Think all, about all of it was really bad. Like Animal House times ten, but not clean. So I lived there, paid rent and all that. But then one thing I needed to do, we needed to get a job. I had to work at the where I could work out, I can work and all that, but I needed to get a job. So you got me a job with Bob Evans, which was great. Now, mind you, at this time, my parents didn't have extra money to send me. So my choice was I'll stay up there. That way they don't have to drive and come pick me up mm -hmm. and they could save money up for themselves as well because I just know that trip is long. And, right. you know, growing up, you, you, you kind of after a while you get the sense like, you know what, I don't put the burden on my family. Let me take care of myself. Right. Right. So from there, I mean, I have no money. I mean, literally, I don't have any money. This is going to explain why I don't have any money. So I go to work, and um, I think it's my first day, probably. First, I think it's my first day, right? Um, something like that. Something like that, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> but literally, so I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm starving. When I say I'm starving, I'm so hungry. My stomach is at my back. Um, I, I feel like I just, I have never, haven't eaten anything all day, and we just worked out that morning too. So. I literally was on the grill cook line, and there was a strict rule: you can't eat on the grill cook line, and you can't have any right, food. Can't so, eat food. I'm like, man, I'm working. I'm a, I'm working hard as hell, but I can't eat anything. So I go ahead, and um, there's some home fries that were there when I came into my shift, and it, they were on there like probably maybe like hours eight, eight, after yeah. breakfast, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm in the dinner shift now, and I'm like, yo, you know what? These home fries are still here, and I'm like, I look left, I look right. I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I take the home fries, I put them on a plate, add ketchup, add a little bit of everything that I can. I could like just get my hands on. I go in the back. I eat that thing so fast. Like, I mean, right. so quick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm down it. And then, but this is where it comes to bite me in the butt, right? The manager, I forgot what his name was. He walks in and he's like, hey. Maybe John, Scott, or Bill. <laughs> one, one, of, one of them. Those, those were the managers there. I but go ahead. Think it, I, I want to say Scott. I don't think it was Bill. Cause I think Bill was like super cool, and he, he and he. I think he, he wouldn't have had a problem with that. But uh, basically, um, the manager was like, "Hey, you got to pay for the home fries that you ate." Now I just I gave myself up. I was like, "Hey, I ate them because they were old." I thought, "Okay, it's not gonna right. it's not gonna be a big problem." We're just gonna throw them away anyway. Exactly, you're gonna throw them away. So why not eat them? So I was gonna eat them, and I ate them. So whatever. And then 
I didn't have enough money in my bank account to pay for like home fries, which were $2.50 maybe at the time, whatever. Something like that. Yeah. I didn't have enough money in my bank account all whatsoever. So, and I'm over here, like, I'm like in, I'm like inside, I'm like destroyed, distraught, destroyed. Like think of any word you can. Like I felt like the biggest loser in the world. Cause I need to go tell my manager that I don't have money to pay for $2.50 of home fries on a card. Which could lead you to being fired. Exactly. Just over Over $2.50 of home fries. And then um, me and you weren't, we we, we knew each other, we played, but we weren't really that close yet. But you stepped up and you were like, don't worry about it. I got you. Literally, I didn't ask, you sure? What? Like, you just said, no, I got it. And I think the way you you said it in such a command presence, I was just like, you know what? Okay, cool. I'll be good. And, like, I didn't worry about it, didn't worry about anything. And then after that, like, that's, I think that was the start of our relationship. That's when I was like, you know what, I'm, like, I fuck with Jeff. Just because he helped me in a situation that he didn't know that he helped me so much in. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's that. It's, people always say, you don't know what people are going through. Right. And you should be nice to everybody, be kind to everybody. That day for me was, like, the epitome of, like, at my lowest point. You know what I mean? Before mm-hmm. going through, like, suicide and all that and leaving school. But just just another point of myself where... I was all alone in a place I didn't know. I didn't have any money. I didn't have anybody to support me. And you came in and you paid for my home fries. Even though it was two fifty cents, somebody would say, oh, that's meaningless. But no, you don't understand the impact. When you of- don't have it, that's everything. <laughs> exactly. when, you, when you don't have it, that's everything. And man, and I understand what you mean when you say you were alone. Because that's the exact way that I felt in this town, this foreign town, where, I mean, we're probably... Point zero one percent black, black people, right? You know what so I mean. So let's be let's just be straight here. There was no black people. No, right. no black people. We we were the we black people that came, came into to the town. town. You know what I mean. Exactly. That's when the population of black like, people went up, uh, grew. Up. Is when we came into town and came to the university, and I and I recognized that feeling of being alone. And it's like, yo, man, it's two dollars and fifty cent. You know what I mean. I'm not by any means doing super well at this point in my life, but I'm doing okay enough to where I can say, you know what, let me help this brother because I understand what it's like to be alone and that was the one thing that when when you and the other players came like I didn't want you guys to feel like you know what I mean no one has your back because I felt that like no one had my back in that sense man and that's why like you said um you know taking food from the restaurant that we worked at man that that was that was what I had to do you know what I mean for years you know like uh, at least a year for sure where like I had I had the Dickies pants right that had pockets here <laughs> yes. that had pockets here uh, they had pockets on the back and I had the uh, Columbia it had pockets here and it had pockets here like I would go back into the freezer and take frozen chick like after my shift was over I would go back into the freezer fill my pockets up with frozen chicken yeah. right so two in this pocket two exactly. in this pocket two here two here I would put two here two here two here and two here and then walk out the door like after my shift was over like I'm telling you I got like an abundance of chicken in my pocket and now I have to walk three miles home and mm-hmm. hope that this chicken doesn't unthaw in my as, pockets yes, as you're walking. as you're walking home man <laughs> yeah. like that that's man that struggle and living off of chicken and rice 
or chicken and shrimp or, or chicken alfredo it wasn't no shrimp at that time we didn't have the luxuries of that kind of stuff but chicken and rice and broccoli chicken and uh you know chicken alfredo man that that's what it was that's what the struggle was and i felt like i had no one at that moment and i didn't want you guys to feel that same way and that's why i kind of called myself like uncle jay like these are my exactly. nephews man these are people who like yo y'all can call on me at any point in time and i'm gonna help y'all uh, i'm gonna do whatever i have to do to make sure that y'all are good man y'all are like my little brothers and that was what i made sure i did exactly and i appreciate that because i felt that um and through, through my whole time at Waynesburg, I felt that. And, you know, even, you know, I'll even say now, I think I should apologize because I think when I went through that whole situation that I went through, I never reached out to you. Um, and I definitely should have reached out. I definitely should have stayed in communication with you because I know you reached out to me so many times. Like, B, you all right? Hey, B, how you doing? Even when I first came back on social media, you were the first person I was like, yo, you good? What's, what's up? Hey, you in D.C.? Hey, I'm being D.C. And then you reached out to me and you never you never looked down on me or never looked upon me like, oh, I can't believe. Like, you were just right. like, nah, I'm, I'm rocking with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I definitely have to give you props to that. And I, re and I just got to say thank you for that. But I do apologize for never reaching back out because, man, I think that was such a low point in my life. But I do appreciate you being there for me, regardless, even though I wasn't there for you. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that, man. I, yeah. I, under, I understand lows. I've had many, many low moments <laughs> um, in, in my life and some that were very instrumental to my to my growth as a person, man. Tell me uh, a life uh, event that you would say, other than the Waynesburg event, is there another life event that has shaped you into the person that you are today? Yes. Um, so it's kind of, it, it all goes back to the military. I think joining the military was a, was a like pivotal point in my life mm -hmm. because there was things that I did in the military that I didn't think that I was capable of doing, right? Like um, firing a weapon. I was so scared of a gun because it was just like, you know, um, I'm black and I've never shot a weapon before. I've never had a gun, you know, and the right. stereotypical like, oh, you're black, you probably sell drugs, you probably have a gun, right? First thing I get asked <laughs> at Waynesburg when I go there, but um, I go to the military, I've never shot this weapon. I, now I learn how to shoot a weapon. Then I'm jumping out of airplanes for the military, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then I'm doing some pretty amazing things like learning like combative, learning um, languages and stuff. So to me, it just, it pushed me to see that if I can learn how to jump out of a plane in two weeks, right? And safely land five times and even jump at nighttime and land, um, that there's probably nothing in this world that I can't overcome. Excuse me, there's not anything in this world that I cannot overcome um, right. just by sheer will or just by going through it or by learning it. Right. Yeah, J just by learning it, man. And I I'll say this. So when you jumped out of an airplane, you you were pulling the parachute yourself, right? You didn't have an instructor with you because I went skydiving and I I will I don't think that I would ever go skydiving without me being strapped to someone because if <laughs> yeah. for some reason it don't pull I don't want to be the reason that I die I want my death to be on someone else's hands if I'm gonna die yeah. by skydiving yep so I, I've seen some of your jumps and you were by yourself yeah so the, the cool part about it is like you don't pull the parachute yourself per se right you just have to jump out the plane and then naturally the cord um, naturally opens your chute for you so now if the chute you're supposed to count to like. 6,000 or 8,000, depending on the jump it is. But if you don't, but if the push, if the parachute does not open, then it's on you to, or you have a reserve right in front of you on your chest that you have to pull and open yourself. So okay. your parachute isn't opening, you're falling and you feel like you look around, and you're like, I'm falling fast, faster than everybody else. You're gonna pull that sucker, you know what I'm saying? Right. And you have to, and so, um, um uh, yeah. You, tr it, you trust yourself a lot more than <laughs> I trust myself, is what I'm gonna say. I had to learn how to trust myself a lot more just because. Of that whole situation of jumping out of an airplane, right? Mm -hmm. I don't like heights. I don't like roller coasters. I don't like thrill. Like, I don't seek thrills just to seek them, right? 
Right. So I'm not one of those people that can go like base jumping and stuff like that. So for me, jumping out of airplane was just like huge. Like I don't like heights. I'm scared. I mean, the day before, I think um, Will Smith talks about him skydiving. Like the day before, he's in I bed. I remember. And he's like, yo, I hope I hope no one shows up and everyone shows up. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm in bed that night before, like jumping out of an airplane for the first time. And I'm over there like, I'm about to, why? Why am I doing this? I'm asking myself, I'm going through like my whole life plan. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I, I haven't, I like. I, I, I so like, many things yeah. I haven't done yet. <laughs> I'm talking about. I'm talking to myself this whole time. I'm like, God, why am I doing this? God, you must have forsaken me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm talking to God. Like, I've never been so close to God in that whole moment. Right. Than that. That. That, that one. That one night. Um. But I think one thing I learned from that whole situation was the um the epitome of trusting myself and mm-hmm. my skills and my instincts. And I think at, at at the beginning, um, just learning that if it's ought to be, it's got to be up to me, regardless. Right. Every situation, no matter what. And I think it, it's a perfect point for me to always reflect back on that point of my life and just be like, it's, is, it, is it that bad? Like, no matter what I go through, is it really that bad? Like, I just broke up with someone. Is it really that bad? Like, mm, nah, it's really not. Because it's, it's, it's always going to be moving forward. I'm always going to be doing something. So I'm okay with whatever life throws at me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I like, I like the forward thinking and what it is that you're saying because um, – I, I, I don't think a lot of people allow the things that they've been through. Uh, I don't think they allow them to move them forward. I feel like they, they allow the things that they've been through to impede them from uh, trying something new. And the fact that you can say, you know what, I jumped out of an airplane um, and I, I had that fear. I overcame that fear. Now, when I approach something else that could potentially put fear in me, I don't feel that same fear. And that to me is growth. And I feel that same way. Like when I was at my lowest point in depression um, with, with, with the situation that I was going through, I said to myself now, anything after that, if like, hey, if, if it's not this bad, then I'm okay. Exactly. You know, if, if it's not this <laughs> bad, like I felt the ground before, so I'm not afraid to fall. Mm. So if it's not this bad, then I know that I'm okay. So uh, at, at, at this point, in your life, um, where where is B going next? Like, what what are what are some of the things that B is working on achieving at this point? Man, that is such a great question. Um, I, to me, I think for me, it's finding a partner. I think at this point in my life, actually, excuse me, I I totally lied. I'm not finding a partner. I think it's really understanding who I am still as a man and really diving into myself as well, right? I think there's still a lot of areas in me that I haven't overcome in terms of like past trauma, in terms of relationship with people. Um, giving up certain things, right? Uh, it's really understanding the man, uh, Bertrand, right? The soul, the spirit, uh, whatever people call that, um, whatever you, whatever people want to say, uh, associate that as. But for me, I really look at it as like my soul, my spirit, like the thing that actually makes me who I am. It's really understanding who that is and being comfortable and sitting in that and right. being all right with that, whether I'm alone or whether I am with somebody, but still being okay and still being myself. So that's what I am. And that's more like, you know, um, as they say, spiritual, but I think for myself too, as well, I'm thinking more in terms of like business to me is moving, is, is moving next into building my, um, 1% man brand and really helping other men to really, um, I just thought about this today was, was I really want to help men to unleash the best version of themselves and even have death fear them. You know what I'm saying? Wow. That's deep. Tell me what does, what, like, what is that? What is what is that like? Okay, matter of fact, let's back it up. First off, 
explain to us what the what the program is like you know because i i see the shirt i know yeah. i know you you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean i understand where you're going tell us what the one percent man is tell us how this was birthed and tell us uh, a little bit about like i said death fearing the man as opposed to man fearing death so man it just goes back to i think um childhood programming and just being a young being a young man right i think it's that there's all these things that we have to acquire, right? We have to do this, we have to do that, we have to do this. Like there's all these things outside of us that we always have to do as men, right? Whether it's to get a six-figure job, whether it's to um, sleep with the most women in college, right? It was always something that could never satisfy us, right? But right. the one thing that I that I started to do was like, I started to just sit with myself and learn about me. Things that I wanted to do that wanted to make me happy. Uh -huh. And what I found was that like, I was different than a lot of other men. Like I went through a period of time where I had no sex. I was like almost two to three, like two, three year period. Right. Wow. And deep, like holding off on sex makes you see how a lot of actions that men do are revolve around trying to get the attention of women or trying to do something for attention. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you see that like, um, so for me, I just, I just, I started to take steps back away and I was like, what are other things that I can do to challenge myself? So that way I can grow. Right. Mm -hmm. You almost feel on a I almost went to another pedestal, another level within myself because I was doing things for me. And that's what really the one percent man is all about, like helping you as a man. Right. Focus on things that you can do, like just micro things that you can do that can help you to have the greatest ship. Right. Everybody wants to change their life. Everybody wants to make a whole bunch of money. Everybody wants to do all that. That's great. But you can get a six figure job and feel empty. We know there's millionaires that have millions of dollars that feel empty. That's because they haven't worked on them. They don't know what they want, right? Mm -hmm. They're out here achieving great things and they're getting all these outward success, but the inward success, right? Like waking up in the morning and drinking a, saying, you know, I'm going to drink a gallon of water today. I got it done. I'm going to work out every day for 30 minutes. I got that done. I'm going to journal so I know myself and I know what I'm thinking. I know what my, where my mind is going. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to connect. I'm going to go on mandates, right? And so I, I, well, that way I have a tribe of men I can talk to. Those right. little things like that is really what helps men, right, to connect and to really grow. So that was birth, and the, one, the reason why the 1% man was birthed was because I said, you know what, men need these things, yeah. right? They need that emotional accountability. They need all that different things, but no one is supplying it for men. Everyone's talking to women about, hey, women, if you want to attract men, you need to do this, you need to do that, and all that. You can, men, excuse me, women have support groups all around. Right. There is no support groups for men. Yeah. So that was really what it was. It was really to help them. And not only just be a support group and, like, come talk about your feelings, but no, let's get shit done too as well. Let's Absolutely. grow. You know what I mean? Let's let's cut the, like cut cut the fat, build muscle, like look your best, feel your best, you know what I mean? Learn how to dress, you know, take advice from Jeff on, you know, hey, don't wear this kind of clothes, wear these clothes, don't just wear sweats all day, you know what I'm saying? Like put a nice chain on just because hey, you got to you, know, you like, have you have take to take care of yourself. At, look, Dion said look good, feel good, play good. <laughs> exactly. You know, when I like I I take pride in how I look now the biggest reason is because when I was a kid, I never really liked the way that I looked. I didn't like what I looked at when I looked at myself in the mirror. It wasn't until I was like 25 where I really fell in love with myself and I started to grow into what you're describing as the 1% man. You know what I mean? Someone who really looks at themselves and embraces their flaws and say, you know what? This is me. You have to accept me for who I am. There's nothing mm. that I can do about this hairline. This was given, this, this was given <laughs> to me honest hey. by, you know, by, by my, uh, by my, you know, my dad and his dad, you know, yes. and if you're upset with me about it, talk to them. I don't want to talk to you. Like <laughs> exactly, right? talk to them about yeah. it. Like, I, I don't care. Like at this point, I don't care. You know what I mean? 
Uh, it's it's just what I and that's why I wrote the poem called Hairlines that discuss um, what my hairline looks like. And you know what I mean? And just kind of big up myself, because if this is what you're focused on, you're focused on the wrong things mm. anyway. You know what yep. I mean? Um, so I, I, I love that idea of the support groups. Because that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm doing as well with the mentor circle is getting a support group of men who we're not just talking about our emotions, but we're also getting shit done, man. Exactly. Men to evolve into the best versions of themselves. Yes. And that's what this that that's what life is about, man. Having people around you that can help you evolve into the best version of yourself, man. And to to know that I have someone that is also doing that man it just it it, it like it, it really touches me because i'm like yo i understand like i'm glad that we understand it i can't wait to have more men on this couch you know what i mean and we're talking about the same things in terms of growth in terms of developing each other and how we feed off of each other man um you talked a little bit uh about relationship about a relationship like you you said before that you were looking for a relationship but you, but then you say okay I lied so let let me ask you this do and and I, I love asking men this question do you feel like um finding your partner is uh significant in your uh, achievement of becoming who you are supposed to be so like do you believe that your partner is a is a crucial part of Bertrand becoming fully like the f most full and complete version of who Bertrand is supposed to be. So there's two parts to that for me. Okay. Um, so first part about it, no, because I think Bertrand has to be comfortable with himself first. Right. Right. And I, and I, I don't believe I'm going to find my other half. Right. Cause there's no, I, I'm not missing, there's no flaws in me. I'm not missing half of me. Uh -huh. Right. I'm here. I'm whole and complete. And if I'm trying to find somebody to complete the other half, then I'm never going to be fully present in our relationship because I'm always going to be codependent on her. Right. right. So like that. for me, it's a it's a it's like a no. Right. And then the other half is also yes, because also I do believe that because I want to be a provider and I want to be a husband and I want to be um, a dad. Right. So I can't do that by myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't have kids by myself at all. So um, the one thing is I do want to, I want to, I want a home, I want a house and I want, I, I want a home where we are growing, where we're growing children. You know what I mean? Black boys and girls to grow up and, you know, be change and be leaders and, and change makers of the world. So yes, in that sense of when I, when I do find somebody, I'm going to need, I'm going to need her too as well, because we're going to have, we're going to have to do this together. I can't do right. this by myself. So it's a two part for me, right? Right now, my single life, no. Not at all. Uh, okay. I, I'm taking care of me, putting myself first. I got to put myself first. Okay. That's it. And, and that's very smart. Uh, I, I think that's wise. And I, and I like how you broke that question down in, into two parts. Um, so, so finish telling us. Uh, so you, you kind of gave us the, the brief overall of what the 1% man is. Talk to us a little bit uh, about the 1% man program and what someone could expect from being a part of the 1% man program. I appreciate it. I love this question. So the best thing that I can say is that most programs, if you go into like a Tony Robbins or a Brendan Bouchard or one of those other programs, right? You're going to find a lot of like, oh, here's your vision, like create a vision, um, establish affirmations, establish goals. No, we're going to look at your money. We're going to open up your bank account. Right. Because the first things first is as a man, I'm, I'm the one thing is I'm going to help you at the end of the day, become a provider. 
right? I want you to be the head of your household, being sure that you know how to control the money in your household, how it's flowing in and out. I want you to be able to run yourself like a business. Because at the end of the day, when you don't have money, there is stresses that, that happen to you, the stresses that happen to your family as your wife, mm-hmm. the stresses that happen to the kids too, because the kids can feel the tension in the house when, hey, you know what? There's a red letter on the, on, on the, on the door because you can't pay for rent, mm-hmm. right? When there's no lights in the house because, hey, you know what? Kids can't even do their homework because there's no lights in the house. There's no food on the table. Because I got to go to bed hungry, right? So there's certain things that we, that we need for money. A lot of people say, oh, money, money's the root of all evil and all that BS. I pull that aside. Like, look, at the end of the day, you need money to get things done in this world. The most right. powerful men in this world, the reason why they're powerful is because they have, they have acquired and amassed wealth. At the end of the day, we need to learn how to do that too as well. So first things first, we'll open up that bank account. We'll look at how much do you make? What's your net income, not your gross? Gross is, bef- gross is how much you make total, uh, but net is after taxes and you take home. What does that look like? Right. right? And then after that, you got to pay yourself first. So one of my favorite books, The Richest Man in Babylon, Man. teaches men like, hey, uh, to, it actually, it's a principle. It's principles about how to build wealth. Saving just 10 or 20%. Right now, I'm, I think I'm saving about 70 to 80% of my checks every two weeks. Right, that's about almost five thousand a month that I'm just like saving aside just for myself. Right, so the reason why I say that is because now that I'm able to save this much money, I um I just my contract just ended with a with a government contract that I was with. So now I have so much money saved up to a point where I'm not worried about finding my next job right away. What I'm worried right. about now is okay, what's the best next move for me? Understand right. the difference, right? Is that if I was in go mode where I'm like, I need to find a job, I need to find a job, I would be worried that You'd I wouldn't be, be scrambling for any for anything, for any old job. But exactly. because you set yourself up in a position financially now, you don't have you don't feel like you have to just take what's out there. You can take what you want. And I, I felt that when I got fired <laughs> from my job a couple of years ago, Tony Robbins has this thing called three like three wealth buckets. And you know, he talked about putting uh, putting putting away money for risk putting away money for security. Uh, and then also, I can't remember the third thing, something along the lines of like putting away money for uh, for something that you want. Um, and because I put away that money for security, having three to six months worth of income, in the event that something were to happen, you want to make sure that you have three to six months worth of income that you can take care of all of your necessary bills. Exactly. And I think that's very important. So talk to us about that transition from now you you've uh the, the contract has expired with the government what are what where where do you go from here so it's so I'm, I'm really such in a privileged position because right now i have um actually have two official offers right so uh-huh. one offer with a company um coming in um it's it's a it's like i think it's about 120 a year um, and they're taking over the previous contract. So I was like, all right, this is cool. Then I have another offer with another company, but that one was in um, North Carolina. So and I have another one in California. So right now I'm kind of like, hmm, I can sit back and I could be like, okay, I want to make 120. Do I want to make 150? Do I want to relocate? And for they're going to pay me like 5K for $5,000 for relocation and another like I think 100K a year. And I was like, do I want to do that? So now I can sit back and I kind of think, what's the best option for me in my life and where do I want to move forward? Right. Right. So my next point now is just kind of deciding like, okay, where do I want to go and where do I want to grow? So what are what are some of the deciding factors when you're uh, when you're thinking about um, taking some of these new positions? Weather, weather, weather. So weather. (laughs) Yeah, I I hate the cold weather so much. 
but um i should be honest too as well as family like how close am i to family because i think the best uh wealth building tool especially for being a young black man and, and not having any wealth passed down to me is being close to my family and being able to um work together with them in terms of building wealth in terms of also um building for the future too as well right so what does what does building for the future look like like how because i i know for me when I think about building for the future, when I think about that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come back home uh, after spending 11 years in Pennsylvania. I wanted to come back home because the it, there was a there was a feeling of emptiness there to where I, I couldn't. The one thing that I miss the most is being able to just pick up the phone and call my cousin and be like, hey, cuz, what you doing? All right, I'm about to come over. Mm, I couldn't yeah. do that. Being able to call my aunt. Hey, auntie, what you doing? Nothing. All right, I'm about to come over. Hey, aunt, what's up? What you doing? Nothing. I'm about to come over. Calling my grandmother, you know what I mean. I missed, I missed that, and I also wanted to be an instrumental part of helping my family grow, um, and and providing opportunities. You know what I mean. Like me get to a point where I'm so big that like if if someone wants to uh, be a police officer, I can say you know what I have contacts in in a police district. You know what? Let me make a phone call for you. That's nothing. That's nothing, little cuz. Yeah, yeah. Hey, can you you know what I mean? Such and exactly. such. Exactly. You know, I want to get to a point where I have the opportunity to do that. You know, and for my daughter, um, and, and just for for my daughter, I want I want her to not have to start at the basement. Oh, because. Thank you. I started at the basement. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> my my mom and my dad, they did what they could for me, and I'll never take that away from them. I think they 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 gave me as much as they put possibly could. Um they they gave me the uh, uh my mom's favorite saying is common sense should have taught you that. So I got common sense from her, and we know common sense ain't that common, right? And then from my dad, I got the hustle and I got the street smarts from my dad. And um he he allows me uh he he has given me like this just a the the gift of gab is something that i got from him and that's just being street smart you know what i mean that's being able mm. to talk being able to communicate so uh creating that uh that lane for my family man where i can say you know what i have a contact here i have a contact here that's mm. something that i wanted to do and that was the reason why i decided i was like yo i'm done with pennsylvania i have to come back home so you talked about um, being around your family and, and, and wealth building and stuff like that. Um, ultimately, what do you, uh, what, can you give us specifics about what do you, what do you want to come from that? Ooh, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. hundred percent. So we want, excuse me, I want, um, a big family house. So I want a house that I know that if anything ever happens to me, right. So like for me, when I left Waynesburg, I went to my uncle's house in Texas. My uncle works as a, a petroleum engineer. So he, I remember that house. I spent, I, right? I, I, I spent Thanksgiving with you at that house, right? man. Exactly. In Texas. Funny that you, real quick segue before you finish. Yeah. You were living in Texas. I just so happened to be selling insurance, and they were like, "Yo, you're about to go to Texas," <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, yo, B, right? Can I stay with you, yo? Instead of getting a hotel, you was like, yeah, yeah. man.' I was like, "See, I got people yeah. in places, man. I got people <laughs> in places in different states. Come on, man. Sorry, go ahead. My bad. No, no, no. It's all good. But that's but that's exactly what I want for my kids as well, right? So, um, and even my family too is that like no matter where I go, right? I want to be able to call somebody up and be like, "Hey, do you mind if my brother or do you mind if my friend comes and stays with you?" And then that way, people know 
that hey, no matter where they go, like the name Nagampa just carries weight, right? Just by right. being associated with me carries weight. Right. But also too, if like anything ever happens to you while you're out there in this world, because something is bound to happen to you, you have a place that you can always come back and call home. Right. Right? You have a bedroom that you can take, whether it's one of the bedrooms or you're sharing a room with somebody, but at least you have a place where you can come back, you can rebuild yourself, and you mm-hmm. can reinvent yourself and then go back out in the world. So I think that's super important, too, as well, is that not enough people are thinking long-term in that sense. Everybody wants to go out and be independent, have their own thing, which is great, but you also got to think long-term. It's like, hey, how can I sustain this? And then pass this on to somebody else, too, as well. Right. Right. So, like, me, I'm almost 30. I'm still, I still live with my parents. People are like, oh, my God. Society will tell me that, like, this is such a bad move. You shouldn't do this. You should be out on your own and have your own things. Great. Thank you. But why do I have to acquire all this debt to be able to prove that I'm an adult and I can pay bills? What's the point? Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, great. Very profound. I, right. I'll be honest with you. I'm one of the people that would have said that. But when you put it that way, I get it. I understand it. Um, I, I think as, as long as you have a plan or a vision for it, like, exactly. I, I think that that's, okay you know what i'm saying um and i and i and me knowing you i know you're a person who always has a vision and who always has a plan um but go ahead continue sorry i was i i think people like once they get to know me i think i'm pretty like i'm cocky i'm very arrogant but i'm just super disciplined in a sense of how i do things right and how i maneuver you know what i'm saying like you you've seen me you've seen me work i'm super disciplined i'm yeah i'm very like all right, I'm doing this, this is what I'm doing, right? Like right now, I got a job and I do work at Domino's, right? Mm-hmm. But also do know that this is this is a short-term fix, right? But I also did just spend $5,000 on coaching for somebody to help me build my brand, right? Ooh. But the thing is, if I was living at if I was living at a place where I was spending, say- You wouldn't be able to have that 5000 to invest back in yourself. And that's, dude, that, that's the same with this. Now, right? I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a different position, a, yep. a little bit of a different position. Like to be able to say, you know what? I have to, you know, I'll, I'll shoot last minute podcast stuff. I got to go out to Guitar Center and buy stuff. And then when it comes to a thousand dollars, I'm like, uh, it's okay. I got it. You know what I mean? The, think, think, think about what you just said, right? A couple years ago, man, you didn't have two dollars and fifty cents to buy home fries, right? <laughs> you just spent five thousand dollars on coaching so that someone can help you build you just invested five thousand dollars in yourself man i think that that is there's such genius in that and there's such growth in that man that it needs to be appreciated um and i i commend you for being able to do that i appreciate so we're 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 at the we're at the part of the of the podcast man where i'm adding some segments right you see these dope backpacks yes i I got here right (laughs) you know what i mean it's not this 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 isn't just for uh, for 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 marketing purposes, this is there's actually something in the backpacks, man. So we're going, we're, we're okay. going to go, we're going to go right. into the backpacks. I like this. Um, and uh, I have here some cards. Less small talk, more genuine conversation. Now I believe we've had some genuine conversation up to this point. True. Um, but I think there there's some things that you know people may want to know um about you. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to um put these <laughs> right here just like this now these okay. cars are going to talk a little bit more about um what your current year looks like you know what i mean we're stepping into a new year 2021 yes. um pick one of these cars 
and then and, and, and I'll um, I'll take it. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Tell me a number. Two. Two. All right. Which personal achievement are you most proud of? Being a best-selling author. Tell us about being a best-selling author. How did you become a best-selling author? So, oh man, so I wrote my book, Experiencing Your Path. That was actually the Blueprint to Fifteen was my first best-selling book, but it was a, it was more in the fitness realm, right? That was like fitness, how to lose weight for women, and fifteen pounds, fifteen days. But I was like, you know what? I really want to write a really thicker book because that book was more like a workbook. You know, wasn't really like a real book book. Then my right. Experiencing Your Path was that was such a great book for me because that's when I put everything out there for myself. That's when I stepped out fully and told everybody my whole story, right. everything about myself. So when that went, that hit bestseller, I, I didn't even know it did. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like someone else had told me, hey, your book is bestseller. I was like, huh? And I went, I was like, oh my God, I'm a bestseller. I was like, yo, I'm a bestselling <laughs> author. And um, I didn't know. Three-time bestselling author now, right? Yes, three times okay. now. So I didn't know, but I was like, man, I really do love writing. I didn't know that that was something that I really love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then being a bestselling author and being able to have that tag like now and say, oh, yeah, bestselling author, it carries so much weight. It carries different weight, man. <laughs> yeah. the, listen, the, pri- the price goes up when you say that I'm a bestselling author. <laughs> exactly. I can't wait yeah. for that opportunity, man. It's, it's, I, I tell you, it's, it's so funny because um, at first when I, when I had my prices and stuff for like everything I was doing, right? Um and I, the least, I want to say this before we keep going. It's like I love talking about money because I love demystifying money. I love I love putting numbers and things and say and right. putting exact dollar amounts on things because I hate when people are like, well, you know, I spent a couple thousands. Like, no, what, how much did you spend? Right. Could be a thousand, could be two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. You yeah. you and I we talk about money aggressively. Oh, like yes. you're you're. I, I know that I <laughs> you're, that you're a person that I don't have to sugarcoat anything with and. Yep. Like a lot of people think that it's, you know, um, kind of showing off or, oh, anything, or something like that because we talk about money like the way that we do. But the thing, man, I, I never really had money the way that I have it now. And so I want to learn more about it. Like, it's not that I'm talking to you about money because I'm I want to tell you what I make or anything like that. It's talking like I'm talking to you about money because I want to learn more about it. I want to learn, you know, um, how, how do I how do I turn this into this? You know what I mean? And then into that. You know, so we talk about money uh, and I I appreciate the conversations we have about money. Jeff, I have to say this too, right? So if you're in a relationship with somebody, right, with a girl or, or, um, or even if it's your wife, right, even your spouse, whatever you do, what you have to do to get to know, to get to know somebody better, you have to open up. Right. right. You have to speak the language. Right. You have to be able to talk to them effectively. Right. How can I get to know, say, my girlfriend or the new person I'm talking to? How can I get to know them if I'm ne- if I'm always sugarcoating everything around them, if I'm never truly being myself, if I'm never truly opening up. Right. So how can we get to know money if we're never truly opening up about money, if we're never putting a dollar amount on it, if we never, ever talk about it, the truth about it. Right. If we're just like, well, you know, I want to make I kind of want to make this much like I kind of what if someone came to you and was like, you know, I kind of want to be with you. But I don't know. I mean, it's kind of weird. Everybody doesn't really like you, but I like you. Like, why? Wow. You know what I'm saying? No, I want money. I That's want a whole a bunch of money. Metaphor, man. You know what I'm saying? Oh I'm not, and I'm gosh. not, and I'm not scared to say it. I'm not. I'm so unapologetically black. I'm so unapologetically about getting my money. I want to make money. Yes, I do. Because why? I want employees. I want a business. I want to be able to provide health insurance. I want to be able to be. At the end of the day, I want to give opportunity to people. Absolutely. So, and excuse me, I don't want to go on a rant, but no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm super passionate good, about money man. because people don't understand. You have to talk about it to demystify it. Just yes. mis- demystify money. Stop acting like it's such a bad thing to have. 
it is good because good people have good money to do good things. I learned that from Chris Hart on his podcast. But uh, it, if people, if you don't consider yourself a good person, Listen. then the root, the money, will, the root of all evil is money. Then that that fits you. But I'm a good person, and I do great things with my money. So I'm not scared to have more money. I'm I'm excited. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I love rent, it. Rent over. Okay. Rent, <laughs> rent over. Pick another one. Uh, one, three, four, five, six. Um, let's go. Let's go one. One. Yeah. All right. Which moment would you most like to relive? I like this question. Oh my gosh, man. Which moment would I most like to relive? Mm. That is such a great question. I think the, 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 the biggest thing that comes to mind right now um, is going into the recruiter office for the army the first time. I probably would, I definitely would have went active duty instead of reserves looking back at it now okay yeah and i definitely would have went like special operations special forces just to be like like high level with with the best people with the best of the best in the army that I definitely would have done that really looking back at it now yeah because i because that would have pushed me at a whole new level and i would have grown completely because you're, you're around the best of the best so you, you know what i mean it's kind of like playing an nfl if you you know college football is like playing division one or playing playing an nfl you're around the best of the best guys so naturally you have to be the best too right I, I agree with you on wanting to be around the best. I can honestly say I don't think that I would have ever been able to do the military, man. Why? Um, I, <laughs> I don't. So the all, all of the yelling and stuff like that, man, yeah. um, that is just like, <laughs> bro, why are we yelling right now, man? You don't you don't have yeah. to yell at me to get. And then um, I know I know that. When one suffers, you all suffer. Yes. I'm too mature to be suffering. Listen, <laughs> all of these dudes that's immature in here and they want to do all of this little immature stuff, man, listen, yeah. we're going to have to fight, fight, fight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Agree. Y'all keep yeah. getting me in trouble. Yo, I'm yeah. telling you. We, and then, and yeah, and then it's just not going to be, it's just not going to be a good situation. Man, you know what? I'll say this. Um, the yelling is like such a small part of it, right? Right. Like, that's like boot camp, right? That's I kind agree. of like going to school. It's kind of like you go to school right. and you have that one teacher that yells all the time. Yeah. But not all teachers yell. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like that. I think people have like a misconstrued of the military because Definitely. they see the Marines. Because, yeah. And, and because of what, you, what we see on TV. Oh, man, 100%. What you yeah. see on TV doesn't give you the proper, <laughs> you know what I mean, description of what, it, what your experience yeah. is going to be like. You know what I mean? They always at the bottom, your experience may differ. You know what I mean? Your experience is definitely going to differ. You know what I'm exactly, saying? Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So that's, so that's, that's, um, that's retrospect right okay so now we're going to get a little bit into uh, future planning uh, numbers one uh, one through six let's go with six let's go with six yeah see what we got looking ahead to the upcoming year with what will you be con- blah, with what <laughs> will you be congratulating yourself on a year from now I love that question what will you be congratulating yourself on a year from now Selling a hundred boxes of our one percent man box and having a hundred email subscribers to our newsletter, I probably will. I, that's what I'll do. You will be congratulating yourself on selling a hundred boxes. Yes. And wow, 
Okay. So that's going to be exciting for us. Um, I think as a company, the reason why I say that is because that's going to bring in revenue. And yet again, I, I want to make this money because yet again, that's going to allow us to expand, allow us to have more coaching clients, allow us to grow, allow us to hire out. Um, so to me, it's all about that. And then also having email subscribers is that means I have a hundred men that on my email list that right. are listening to what I'm saying and are implementing it and they're, they're getting their life changed and actually mm -hmm. being a lot fruitful with that money too as well. Absolutely. So I'm excited about that. Okay. All right, pick another number. One through five. Four. Four. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, looking ahead in the upcoming year, to what are you most looking forward? What am I looking forward to? Yeah, what are you most looking forward to in mm. this year? In 2021, what are you most looking forward to? Paying off all my consumer debt. So that's uh, explain to people what consumer debt is for those that don't know. So anything outside of student loans is <clears throat> is what we consider consumer debt here at my company. So um, if you have credit card debt, if you got personal loans, if you have a right. car loan, I consider that consumer debt because that weighs you down. That's probably the heaviest. Like right now, I have a credit card about seven thousand dollars on it. That is um, ten point nine nine percent. My interest rate at my market savings account is about 0.80%. So how I look at it is that every month I'm losing 10.99% of my net worth every month. I am losing money every month by 10.99% by having that debt on the books. Right. So that's how I look at it. And even if I had more money in my market's account, I would need almost like uh, like a significantly a lot more in there to make up for that 10.99%. So I need like almost like 100K to something to even like offset that. Even right. I think more than that, actually, I believe. But I haven't done the math completely. But, you know, don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay, man. No, that's, I, I think that's a heck of an achievement. That's one of the achievements that I recently um, achieved myself was paying off all of my consumer debts. Oh, um, the only thing, Thank you, man. The yeah. only thing that I have on my uh, credit right now is my car um, yep. and my student loans. That's it. Ooh. Uh, so nothing Ooh. else, man. I, I, I paid off all of the collections items. Yeah. I paid off all of those things, man. Aggressively, um, building my credit score, man, attacking, <laughs> attacking my credit score aggressively. That's one of the yeah. things that I said this year I have to do, um, because wanting to get to the point where I can buy a house, uh, is it, something that's really real, man. Uh, so we're going to get into these next set of questions, man. Yes, let's do these it. next set of questions are more about dating in the dating world and dating industry. You're not afraid to talk about relationships, are you? Oh, never. All no. right, man. Let's 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 get it started. So, um, I hear I'm, I hear I'm, I'm too open sometimes. Let me see. Ahead, we're, we're just gonna fan it out. We're gonna let you. How many? Just one. Just one. Yeah. Just, okay. Yeah, you know, just go ahead and take one. Let me see that. <laughs> what does it say? Ah, we're gonna skip that one. <laughs> we're gonna do another one. We don't want to talk about that. Uh, this is yeah. this is kid friendly. This is yeah, kid friendly. E, ready for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last major goal you have accomplished? What obstacles did you have to overcome to do so? Man, mass last major goal that I had accomplished. Yep. Man, you know what? I um, recently just saved ten thousand dollars in one month. That was. Um, Oh man, I think that was a, the reason why is because I had to choose to save that money. I wanted so bad to spend it because I am a consumer at heart. If somebody hops into my inbox and says like, "Hey, I got these paintings," or "Hey, I got something," I'd be like, "Let me support," because ah. I love to support. I love to help, um, and I love yeah. to spend money. So 
I had to actively choose to say, you know what, I can't buy this, I can't buy that. Um, I would go to the store and I'm like, you know what, chapstick? I need, I want, I want, I want some new chapstick. It's only like ten dollars, and I had to ten dollars for chapstick. Where are you shopping for chapstick? It was like, it was like comes in a pack. So I love that. Oh, like, you okay. Know what I mean? So it's, it's like, like a bunch of them. yeah, a bunch okay. of them. So I was gonna buy it, but how many chapsticks were in here for ten? It was like four. It's Burt B's, so it's, I, I like the little oh, okay. the flavors. Right. You know a little, so, okay, a little bougie uh, with the chapstick. Yeah, I am. Okay. <laughs> all right, nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, all right, we're gonna make, we're gonna we're gonna do it again. Um, Okay, I'm not looking. I'm yeah, not, not looking. looking. Um, tell me about your three closest friends and what influences they have on your life. Man, three closest friends. I have um, Jeff Young. I have Jeff because, um, yet again, like we said, Home Fries um, being there for me in terms of like different conversations that we've had. Even when with, with my previous relationship, in terms of things that I was going through, I came to you when we and I consoled in you and just talking about different things because uh, I didn't know what to do or you know how to think about things, and you helped me to see a better perspective. Um, another one is Diana Trenkalova. So me and her are like been good friends for so long. She is, um, man. I remember, I think it was, we were like in middle school. I sent her a, like I sent her my AM. I said, "Yo, I am me." So I like, <laughs> you know, it's back in the day when like the AOL Messenger. are going to have to look that oh, up. Oh yeah. Like when Messenger was like, or what was yeah. like AOL Messenger was like really cool. You had like, you know, username and all that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I told the messenger and, and um, we started talking from there and I was trying to hit on her, but then we just became friends. Right. And um, I think she friends owned me, but from there we grew into a friendship and now like she is, uh, she's working on her PhD. She's going to become a doctor. Therapist. Amazing. So, um, she's doing amazing things for herself right now. She's in Chicago, but we always reconnect and we always talk like we never, like we never, like you never it. disconnected. Exactly. That's amazing. Um, and then another one I'll say Josh Wells, Josh Wells and I connected when he was at Waynesburg. He had a lot of, he had a lot of problems that he went through over there, but um, we connected again when he, and he came down lived with me in Texas for a little bit and went back, but, um, such a great friend. Uh, and I got to say another one too, Christopher Newton, he's okay. our graphic designer, but the reason why is cause like I, this dude has helped me cause he's already married. So he's, um, I believe we're the same age, but he's already married. He already, he already has two kids, but in terms of marriage and like understanding it as a young couple, he helps me to be able to say like, Hey, there's certain things that you have to start giving up because if you want to get married or you want to do this or that. So he helps me to see that. And he also offers a different point of view too. Okay. Explain, let's, let's stay there. Explain that to me. What, what, um, what advice does he give you, um, being a married man, um, that you, oh, what's, what is something significant that you can say that you can give to the people that he gave to you in terms of advice about being married, about being a husband and being a father? Man, so he told me that, you know, at the end of the day, you got to take care of your kids and you got to communicate with your wife, right? Uh, and it's going to take a lot of sacrifice. That's something a lot of people don't want to do is sacrifice, right? Even myself, I get really bent on like, oh, well, I don't want to give up this. I don't want to give up that. But when you get into a relationship with somebody, there's something you're going to have to give up, right? Whether that's um, being able to slide in anyone's DMs or whether that's... Um, um, you know, insecurities that you have, right? You ha There's going to be a level of trust. And something that he told me is like sacrificing B, it, it takes a lot, right? Like um, every night you have to choose to go to bed with your wife and wake up the next day and be with her, right? And mm -hmm. be committed to her, right? And and he, he, he this is something that he I really love that we came together, we talked about. It's just, it's not just love. 
but it's commitment, right? Like I have to choose to commit to you every single day, right? right. Because love is just a feeling that can go do up you, and down. Do you feel monogamy is a choice? Monogamy is a choice. Um, yeah, hundred percent. There's a choice. I uh-huh. choose to. I choose to be monogamous, or I choose to be committed. Do to you somebody. think monogamy is difficult? Is it difficult? Um, yeah, hundred percent. Well, if you look around, yes, it is. I think it is difficult. Um, mm-hmm. especially with uh, I think for us men too as well, is because we're visual creatures, right? Uh, because we're visual creatures, we can look, but doesn't mean that's our intent. Okay. Right, we can look at something like, "Oh, that's really nice," but doesn't mean I'm gonna touch it. Doesn't mean anything, right. and I can keep moving, right? And <clears throat> naturally, it's just like that's how we are, right? Uh, just biologically, we're just wired that way. So I think it sometimes does get us in trouble because we may look and then like, uh, and it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you have to have those like barriers and stuff and walls up and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You you have to. I, I definitely think that monogamy is a choice. I mean, you you choose your impulses, and yes, you, you have. To me, that boils down to mental toughness. Oh. Like, if you're if if you're in a position where you say, you know what, I want to be monogamous to to my lady because that that's a choice that you that you make. And if like once you make that choice, now it's just about mental toughness, and it's about redirecting your mind in regards to okay, uh, I now have to make conscious decisions and be more conscious of where I'm at. Um, the things that I'm doing. And I also think that it, it also boils down to self-discipline. I was having a conversation the other day um, uh, with someone and I, I referenced what we, uh, what I learned being a lifeguard and being a lifeguard, uh, they taught us, we don't save people from accidents. We prevent accidents from happening so that we don't have to save them, Ooh. you know? And that's the same thing. If you're in, a, if you're trying to be monogamous, and you know it's difficult for you to be monogamous when you've had drinks in you, drinks in you, and stuff like that, uh, and you're out or whatever, why do you continue to drink and go out? You know what right? I mean. You're put, you're setting yourself up for failure because you know yeah. this isn't going to work. So why do you continue to put yourself in a position where you know this isn't going to work for you? So mm. be smart and don't prevent i mean prevent the thing from happening as opposed to trying to save yourself when it does happen exactly jeff i gave up drinking i gave up all other extracurricular activities because i was like you know what they don't help me to grow so i just gave it all up because i in the exact same way every time i drank i never felt good the next day or i never felt good um to move forward so yeah i gave it up so i feel you on all right so we're gonna get into this last question here um let me see what we got all right, and I picked this one purposely because, <laughs> because man, I think uh, I, I think you and I understand the importance of this, but I want to make sure that other people understand the importance of this. And it's just, what was the last book you read, and what was it about? Oh man, to completion. <laughs> to completion. The last book to completion that I read was um, Forty Million Dollar Slave. Uh, it's such a great book. It's called The Rise and Fall of Black Athletes and the Conveyor Belt. So what it is, Ooh. it was it shows how how black athletes and th- this is a quote actually from the book. And I'm going to paraphrase, but there's a white coach that talks about how if you get black athletes early and you buy them a car, some clothes or whatever, they're hooked for life. So wow. talking about how and it's this is inner city kids, too. Right. So going to inner city kids and he ta- and, and then he, and what the author was was saying was that um Big industrial sports complexes have been built around black athletes 
but they have never let black athletes into the ownership part of it. They've only been players, mm -hmm. right? So you got to think is the reason why $40 million slave came up because it was a basketball player that called himself a 40 that, that said, you know, it's like, I'm working so hard. I'm like a slave, but it's like, man, you're the most overplayed slave ever. But you got to think you have white owners, you have everyone at the top is white all the all the executives and all that then you have few in between of chosen black like symbols to be at certain points mm -hmm. but the but for me what i got out of that in terms of like leadership and all that was that you want to own everything that you have right all right michael jordan joined the wizards because michael jordan wanted to be part of the wizards organization ownership yeah right but however when he went in there they cut him and, and they said nah you can't be part of this like you're a good player but you're not part you can't be part of the front of the house mm -hmm. so the owner of the wizards was like you think i'm gonna build this and let a black man come in no so a lot of people don't know that conversation that Michael Jordan had with them, but um, in the book he expands on it a lot. But um, Michael Jordan yeah. expands on that, or the author the, the author expands on that on, the, on that on, on that on that context. So it's not what Michael Jordan said, but okay. the author expanding on that context of like, hey, how black athletes are used for fun, entertainment, and to almost like they use for all their talent, and once that talent is done, they're kicked out the door, right? And they don't have anything to show for it. You know, because they don't really get any real education in terms of um, financial education or real education from these colleges. These colleges make millions of dollars off of them and then leave them out to die. And, and, and leave them out, man. That's, you know, that's it's interesting you said that because what the write-up that Williamsburg did on me, um, considering the situation that I went through being a two-sport athlete, being a full-time student, working three jobs at the same time to put myself through school, that was one of the very first things that it said in the write-up was that, you know, in the midst of uh, at, at, at like the peak of athletes being paid under the table and getting uh, in trouble for being paid under the table. Here's this athlete who is uh, doing all of these things to stay in school and just to be an athlete. Um, it, it was it was so commendable. And man, I'm so thankful for that part of my life. And I'm so thankful uh, for for that growth, man. Um, so we we've come to the to the end um, oh, uh, of, of being in our bag, man. Um, oh, and man. we listen, we can stay in our bag literally all <laughs> night for real and just have just some genuine conversation, man. Tell the people how to reach out to you, how to contact you. Um, what, what, what can they expect next from B going forward? You're probably going to see me on TV commercials. You're probably going to see me on a YouTube ad or Google ad somewhere. Yep. No, not TV commercial, but you took me on a YouTube or Facebook ad somewhere. Um, you're going to see a lot more of me online, but not right now. So I'm not online, but my Instagram and all that is at B-N-G-A-M-P-A. That's at B-N-G-A-M-P-A on all social media sites. I'm Bertrand Nagampa. But the best way to connect with me is I'll give you the link for it too as well. It's on my email list or as well as the onepercentman.com. And that's the best way to connect with me as well. I would give you my phone number, but you have to buy me a um, movie and a dinner first. You gotta buy a movie and a dinner first, ladies. So he's available. He's single. He's on the market. So buy a movie and a dinner. He's a very smart, humble guy. He works very hard. As you guys can tell by the conversation, uh, you know, he he does really well for himself, man. Uh, my name is Backpack Jeff on all social media platforms, backpackjeff.com. Make sure y'all like, comment, subscribe. Subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel in Leave my bag with Backpack Jeff. In my bag with Backpack Jeff, man. It has been a pleasure sitting down with you, man. 
Um, it has been a pleasure watching you grow as a man and becoming the person that you are. Uh, this is really like a proud big brother moment for me, man, just to see the guy that's, you know, sitting across from me like, yo, he like I, I, I watched him grow. I watched him go through a horrible situation at Waynesburg University. I watched him walk three miles back and forth to Bob Evans, you know what I mean, just to work. Um, you know, you came through for me uh, when my when my daughter was being born, you know what I mean? You were sitting at your house. I was like, yo, man, I need you to finish working my shift. <laughs> and you came and you finished working my shift, man. So I appreciate you on so many levels, man. It's been a pleasure my guy, my friend, man. I love calling you friend, man. Um, I call you brother, man. Um, you're always going to be a part of my life. I appreciate you for that. Always. I appreciate always. you for that. So, guys, hey, uh, this has been another episode of In My Bag with Backpack Jeff. Today, we were in my bag with Bertrand Nagampa, Coach B, the 1% man. Until next time. <laughs>